All right. Good morning, everyone. I am wearing a very special tie this morning that I only wear at certain times. Uh, one is uh, when UCLA wins over USC. So for my USC brothers and sisters, my uh, condolences. Uh, we are so thankful for you. And uh, I am, uh, I've had this tie for like, I think like 30 years. So I only break it out on very special occasions. So if you're wondering. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, if you're wondering why I have all these tumblers here, uh, this one is actually the functional one. It's for water. And uh, I keep that filled throughout the day just so that I could stay hydrated. But I used to use these, they're a little smaller. And if you'd notice, uh, there's this uh, little cat. Uh, it represents thank you coffee. And uh, this one actually says, uh, thanks me coffee. I didn't even know it said that when I first got it. I just put it on here thinking it said thank you coffee but it said, thanks me coffee. And I was like, interesting. Well, it is my favorite coffee shop. Might have a little bit to do with the fact that uh, I know the uh, three uh, investors, owners, um, our very own Jonathan Yang, who, whose mom's here today. And so uh, knowing his love for coffee turned into this thank you coffee and we also have Matt and Cody. It might have a little bit to do with the fact that I do drink coffee from time to time, and uh, they know exactly how I like it. Sweet latte is my favorite. But the biggest reason why I like Thank You Coffee is really because of the name. I remember we were praying for them as they were thinking through and praying in preparation. And so when they said that, the name of the coffee shop was Thank You Coffee. I thought, wow, what a great name for a coffee shop. Two words, thank you. And really, when you think about it, those two words can make all the difference, but it needs to reflect a genuine heart attitude, right? I mean, you could say thank you genuinely, or you could even say thank you in ways that are not very genuine. Like you could say something like, thanks a lot. You're not actually thankful, right? Or you can say something like, thanks for nothing, which means you're also not thankful. Or when someone does something and you go, uh, thanks? Like you're not sure if you're supposed to give thanks. Or you might try to induce guilt into someone and they give you something and you say, so am I supposed to say thank you? I mean, imagine that those are the kind of things that actually get said with the word thanks in it. Now imagine if they named a coffee shop with words that really reflected the genuine attitude of your heart. Okay, instead of thank you coffee, it would be something like whatever coffee. Or how about uh, shut up coffee? Or you make me sick, coffee. How about, I hate you, coffee. Now, I don't know anyone who's named their coffee shop that. But I just thought about that. 
I mean, you could come up with your own version, I'm sure. Now, what really wouldn't make sense is for a coffee shop to be named No Thank You Coffee. I mean, like, why would you even say that? I mean, it would basically mean, you know, I don't care to be thankful. I don't want to be thankful. And I'm definitely not going to say thank you for the coffee. I actually thought it'd be a nice name for a church. Thank you, church. The only problem is that would it actually be the reality of what people would truly own up to? And I think it would actually be hard because it would be difficult to maintain that namesake. In fact, if I made an announcement and said, you know what, we're going to change the name of our church to thank you, church, I think there's some people that wouldn't be very thankful for that. But let's move past this little silly illustration. Let me ask you a question. And, you, and, and I want you to really think about this. Are you thankful for your church? Are you thankful for your church? Now, let's be even more specific. Do you thank God for your church, specifically this church? Let's get even more specific. Do you thank God always for your church? But here's the kicker. Okay, here's the whipped cream and cherry on top. Let's add one more. Do you thank God always for everyone in the church? Now you might say, Pastor John, you are asking too much. I'm not the one asking this. God's word is actually asking you this. Are you thankful to God always for everyone in your church? Now, I thought about this, and I thought about all my church experiences. I've had actually quite a few church experiences. Started off at First Period United Methodist Church in downtown LA. That's my first recollection of church. I was only like six or seven. It's more of this huge church. It just seems so big. And my uh, memory of that church was that uh, in the children's church, the pastor's kid uh, got to take all the offerings that we gave. And we passed around a cup and uh, we put a quarter in there and then he took it and put it in his pocket. And I was like, why does he get all the quarters? I mean, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. All I know is, hey, quarters go a long way when you're little, right? And uh, I also remember that church, there was a kid who was picking on my younger brother. So I said, show me who it is. And uh, I went into this class and I, I punched him. Not very proud of that moment, but that's what I remember <laughs> that church. Then we went to Full Gospel Church of LA, Pentecostal Church, Assemblies of God. Uh, I'm not a theologian. I don't know how this works. I just saw a lot of things that were just really, really interesting. You know, speaking in tongues and laying on of hands. Uh, but my mom got saved during that time. So I'm thankful for that church. I mean, despite maybe the, you know, the issues involved, but somehow God worked to save my mom. 
Then we went to, went to First Baptist Church of Van Nuys. I was saved through the ministry of that church. They were very committed to getting children to open God's word. We would have sword drills. Do you remember sword drills? Like they'd say a reference, and then you'd have to look it up, and the first one to stand up and have it correct uh, would get a piece of candy. I loved that. I got so much candy. I was really good at it. Well, one day I, I, you know, I was probably not paying attention very much. And I just heard something about raise your hand. So I raised my hand and they said, okay, come forward. And someone prayed with me and said, you became a Christian today. I went, what? Uh, all I did was raise my hand. And then they gave me a Bible and they, uh, the, uh, they had me sign this card. And uh, I still remember, it was February 22nd. Now, I, I think they meant well. I, I think you might want to do a little a better job of explaining to the kid what you're doing. <laughs> but when I went to the youth group, I went to a retreat, and I heard the gospel very clearly uh, at the end of eighth grade. And I'm thankful that they had youth retreats. It wasn't for me. It was the ministry that was provided and uh, I remember running into the speaker a number of years ago at a pastor's uh, luncheon, and uh, I told him, you're not going to remember me. This is back in like 1978, but you preached the gospel clearly. Thank you. I go, just so you know, I'm a pastor now. <laughs> and he was just so thankful. I actually still keep in touch with that youth pastor to this day. His name's Dave Grevy. Then I went to Grace Community Church. And I am so thankful for that ministry because uh, my father was saved during that time. Now, of course, I experienced many blessings, but what I'm trying to let you know is that I'm not thankful just for what I got out of it. I'm thankful for what I saw in terms of the ministry that took place. And it wasn't just for my sake. Other people were blessed. Other people were saved. And then I went to Valley Korean Community Church, my first pastoring role as a youth pastor. And I experienced so many blessings. And again, not because it was for me. I watched people get saved. I watched people grow. It was crazy. You know, I was 23 years old. I knew nothing <laughs> And all of a sudden, people started coming, and the church just grew. And I just remember thinking, like, well, God, I, I'm just going to try to do my best to preach your word, shepherd people. I saw God do wonderful things there. Then I went to Korean American Church of Philippi in Maryland. And uh, I know some of you heard me share about this. And, and this actually challenged me. It's so easy to just dwell on the negatives that you might experience at a church. But now that I look back, I go, you know, I still have every reason to give thanks to God always, even for everyone there, even for the people that made life so difficult. In fact, I'm very thankful for the pastor, the senior pastor, who taught me that Faith is an adventure. That was his line. Faith is an adventure. And I still have never forgotten that. 
because it really is. It's something that you trust the Lord with. But this whole life has been an adventure. Out of that church, we planted a church called Lighthouse Community Church. And uh, you might not have heard this, but that was the name of the church. Um, I really liked the idea of Lighthouse. And uh, I kind of wanted a little touch of Grace Community Church. So I called it Lighthouse Community Church. And uh, I was there for about six months. And uh, that's when my life completely fell apart. And uh, after that, I didn't want to hear the word lighthouse ever again. But I look back now and I thank God. Even during those hardships, God used people to help me grow. And a lot of it is because of what I learned during those very challenging months that set the groundwork for Lighthouse Bible Church San Diego. You know, the interesting thing about Lighthouse Bible Church San Diego is uh, I remember we had a team and I asked them, what would you like to name the church? And someone was like, you know, after thinking about it, I really like the idea of Lighthouse. And I was like, inside, I was like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you might as well call it Outhouse Church. I mean, I, I, I want nothing to do with Lighthouse. But then I thought that'd be really selfish of me just to say, well, because I, I don't want it. I was like, okay, I guess we'll call it Lighthouse. And I, at least we changed it to Bible Church. And that's where people got saved. And people grew. Not a perfect church by any means. But because of the people that God brought and grew, we were able to then plant Lighthouse Bible Church San Jose. And we moved there in 2010. And I look back and there are some really, really hard, hard memories. But I'm challenged. Am I thankful? And am I thankful to God? And am I thankful to God always? And the hardest part is, Am I thankful to God always for everyone? And that brings us to Lighthouse Bible Church LA. You. And if um, you were to ask me the question, well, Pastor John, are you thankful to God always for everyone? I would say, yes. <laughs> And you, I think you understand why I would say it that way, because it's not that easy. Now, some people are easy to be thankful for. Thank you. Some people are a little bit more challenging to be thankful for. But the question is, are you actually thankful to God always for everyone? And I can say this. I do thank God for our church. I'm so thankful for all that God has done in the life of our church. Not because of me. I, it's because of what God is doing. And as we look at 1 Thessalonians 1-2, I want you to be reminded that before you look at someone else and wonder if they are being thankful to God always for everyone, you always got to remember, like when you point the finger at someone, look at the three 
going back to you. And I know as I say that, then people go like this. And then I'll say, you hypocrite. <laughs> then go like this. <laughs> because I do wonder if everyone is actually thankful to God always for everyone in this church. I mean, we have to remember, not there's no church that's perfect. Our church is not perfect. You don't have to do, go too far to find faults. In fact, if I gave you an assignment right now and said, can you come up with the top 10 list of things that you see are wrong here at this church? I'm sure there are some people like, oh, that's easy. In fact, I already have it on my phone. In fact... If I asked everyone, you know what? Hey, tonight for dinner, uh, we're not having a Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to have a criticized dinner. Let's come together and let's just, everyone, let's just criticize the church. Criticize everything that goes on the church. Now, of course, we would not do that. But I think if we did do that, I, maybe some people are like, oh, wow, I'm ready for that. Because I got a lot to say. And here's the thing, maybe a lot of what you would have to say would be true, but even so, is that where you would find great pleasure to say, I have the right to give my judgments and criticisms and so forth. In fact, how long would that list be? Now, you might be thinking right now, Wow, Pastor John's like working really hard for us to come out to Thanksgiving dinner so we say something thankful. Uh, yeah, kind of. But no, that's not the main reason. What we're going to look at today in just one short verse is a huge challenge. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to have to really speak directly about this because it is timely. We are about to celebrate Thanksgiving. So let's look at Second Tim. I'm sorry, First uh, uh, Thessalonians uh, one two, and let's pick up from last Sunday. We looked at the historical backstory, right? We looked at starting at the end of Acts fifteen, how Paul and Barnabas split. So uh, Paul, Silas, and eventually Timothy came on board, and they started going around planting churches. They end up at Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonica. They were only there for a few weeks, maybe three to five weeks. They had to leave because of persecution. So by the time he gets to Corinth, he's concerned for them. He's worried that there are problems that maybe could have overwhelmed that young church. But as I mentioned last week, 1 Thessalonians really just uh, oozes with warmth and compassion. So let's look at verse 2, chapter 1. We give Thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. Now, let me ask you a question when you read the initial part of an epistle. After a while, you go, okay, Paul's just saying hi. It's just part of a customary greeting. In fact, some commentators would say, well, Paul is just following the style of the day. You just gave a formal sort of word of thanks to start off. So that's all he's doing. And you might say, well, yeah, there seems to be a pattern of that. But is it just that? Is it just a formal expression? 
Or is there actually something about Thanksgiving that Paul really treasures and highlights when he communicates? I mean, we see this in 1 Thessalonians and other parts. Chapter 2, verse 13 says, And for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also is at work in you who believe. So we see that there are reasons why he's thankful. In fact, he says, we also thank God without ceasing. Why? Because you receive God's word. I mean, that is something that is so precious, especially when you consider the perspective of a pastor. What do you think is the greatest joy for a pastor? Now, it's nice when you get me a burger. I'm happy about that. It's nice when you are very generous with gifts. That's nice. I'm very thankful. But what brings the most joy is to see how you respond to God's word and see your life change. There is nothing that beats that. That's something to thank God for. And when I get to hear that people are growing, when you share about how Christ is becoming more and more precious to you, and your life is being sanctified and you're growing, that is such a precious thing to hear. First Thessalonians 3, 9 says, For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God because of you? I mean, this is a big lesson, especially for those who are pastors. What is the basis for your rejoicing? And Paul mentions that, what is our joy? It's you. And we rejoice before God because of you. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which was read at the beginning here, before the sermon, in everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So throughout the letter of 1 Thessalonians, you see this idea of thanksgiving is pretty important. Paul reveals a grateful heart when he writes to the Thessalonians because of the response they had to the gospel ministry. And you have to remember, it was short. It was maybe three to five weeks. He preached at the Jewish synagogue for three weekends. There was a wonderful response. There was a wonderful response from the Gentiles. Paul shares how he worked to support himself while he was there so he wouldn't be a burden. But it does kind of give us an idea that he was there for at least some measure of time where he had to support himself. While he was there, he was able to see how they received God's word, that they really did see it as the word of God, not just the word of men. You know, that's something that is... Uh, you think it might be something easy. But when you hear God's word presented to you, do you receive it as, you know what, this is God's word. It's not just opinion. It's not just someone else's word. It is from God. So Paul was so thankful to God to see their response. Now one thought, I listened to a few sermons in the past couple of weeks, uh, Sinclair Ferguson, Eric Alexander, 
uh, both Scottish preachers, so it's always fun to listen to them. They highlight the fact that the Apostle Paul was committed to church planting. And so the ministry that took place in Thessalonica was because of a church plant. A church was planted. And I thought, see, there's church planting. You know, some people go, well, well, it's church planting really there. Yes. And when you ask about our vision statement, it's to plant churches. That didn't just come out of left field somewhere. In fact, it's something that we should still actively pursue because there is a need for churches in places that need to receive the word of God. You know, in both First and Second Thessalonians, you see the heart of Paul revealed. He has so much compassion for them. He has so much concern for them. He prayed for them. He longed to return to them. He couldn't. So that's why he writes this letter, this first letter, and he starts off with how thankful he is for them. Now, you know, because Paul was a missionary and he planted churches in different places, you see that he mentions this in other epistles as well. Romans 1.8, to the church in Rome, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed through the whole world. You see, it wasn't just a generic thanks, he's actually being specific. He's thankful to God concerning them, because their faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. There's a testimony coming from the church in Rome. Ephesians 1.16, Paul says, he doesn't give cease, he does not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers to the church in Ephesus. Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Colossians 1.3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is only fitting because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of each one of you all toward one another increases all the more. So we see that Paul, it, it's something very much of a trademark for him. He gives the statement of thanks. Now in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, when it says, we give thanks to God, uh, there's something called the editorial we. You know, it's uh, something that you just kind of use to say, uh, well, we feel this way. It's really you, but you kind of use that as a way to sometimes people hide behind the editorial we. But in this case, it's actually specific. Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy. Now, Sylvanus, I mentioned, and just in case anyone's confused, I mentioned that that was the same person as Silas mentioned in Acts. Luke always refers to him as Silas. Paul always refers to him as Sylvanus. Same guy. Timothy joined them at the beginning of the second missionary journey. So these three actually share in this. We give thanks. Paul, Sebastian, and Timothy. All three of them are giving thanks. Because all three of them were part of this Thessalonian church experience. We don't hear about Timothy specifically in Acts when they're at Thessalonica, 
They think he might have been somewhere else at the time, serving in some way. But he gets sent later to Thessalonica. We see that because Paul is concerned for the church. So he actually went to Thessalonica as well. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy had a, a very real engagement with the members of that church. They saw that church get started. They saw people get saved. But they also saw that there's persecution. They saw that there were already people teaching wrong things. In fact, in chapter 3, verse 5 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul, Paul talks about, he says he wonders if the tempter had tempted them. He feared that the labor that had been invested in them was in vain. So he was very concerned for them. So that's why Timothy was sent. And he brings back good news in chapter 3, verse 6, that the Thessalonian church is thankful for Paul and the ministry that he had invested into them. So from a historical perspective, these three actually did give thanks to God always for each of those people in this church. There's a reason why you should know the historical background of these epistles. You see, when you maybe just hear instruction and it sounds sort of random, like be thankful, you hear be thankful. Like, All right, I'll be thankful. Well, why should I be thankful? Well, let's look at some of the lessons that we can learn from people who actually practiced it. Paul, Silas, and Timothy were thankful. Thankful to God always for everyone in the church. You know, when we read scripture, sometimes we maybe gloss over it a little too much and we don't realize there's so much rich and precious truth that needs to be understood so that it changes us. Um, I was reading this book called Thanksgiving, uh, an investigation of a Pauline theme by David Powell. And, uh, there's a lot that he says just about how Paul values Thanksgiving. There's a whole book just on that. In fact, he says this, uh, the Greek words that are used to communicate the concept of Thanksgiving in different forms, whether in verb, noun, or adjective form, appears 62 times in the New Testament. And more than three quarters of them are mentioned in the Pauline writings. So Paul really takes the lion's share of this. In fact, he writes that if you add extra biblical authors, Paul mentions this subject more frequently per page than any other Hellenistic author, pagan or Christian. So you can say that Paul really, really is known for highlighting Thanksgiving. So I thought, how much is Thanksgiving? How, how much does it mean to us? I mean, think about it. In a few days, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. And what's the first thing when you think of Thanksgiving? Food. And most people think, what kind of food? Turkey. Ham. I think Korean barbecue. You're like, well, that's how is that part of Thanksgiving? 
hey, I'm giving thanks for the food, so it could be anything, right? But isn't it interesting that we have reduced Thanksgiving to just food? And not only that, say you have a family gathering, and if you're like us, we have two sides, right? My side, Angela's side. Then I have relatives that invite for certain things. Friends invite. In fact, tonight we're having a Thanksgiving dinner. You could potentially have turkey if you had turkey at all those meals, like five or six times in one week. Now, I don't know about you. I actually don't like turkey. I'm not a big turkey fan. I mean, I know it's supposed to be healthy for you. You know, and there's that nice picture of a big fat turkey glistening, you know, after you take it out. And I remember we did that a few times and I had to cut it, you know, carve it. it so much work. And I was like, it's missing something. It's just missing. It's kind of dry, you know. I know what we need. <laughs> we need kimchi. Ah, uh, there we go. That balances it out. But we get so caught up with just the food. In fact, we are not always so thankful for the food, much less thankful, period. We complain. At Thanksgiving. David Powell writes that some have reduced Thanksgiving to the level of etiquette, that it's functionally limited to the realm of individual interchange. And he offers these thoughts to consider. Thanksgiving usually was offered because of the reception of a certain gift, right? Someone gives you a gift, what are you supposed to say? Thank you. And it's interesting, some people don't even say thank you to a gift. But we expect it, right? But it shouldn't be reduced to that. Thanksgiving rather should be a response to the acts of God within the lives of believers and the faithful response to the acts of God. In fact, if anything, are you aware of what God is doing in other people's lives? I mean, listening to Eunice's testimony, I mean, I know I've read it before because she filled out application for membership, did the premarital. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I must have heard it a few times, but still hearing it again. Like, thank you, God. You used Jonathan Edwards. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. That is his most famous sermon. And it was at a public school. A miracle. God used a public school and American literature and highlighted Jonathan Edwards to speak truth into someone's life to save her. Oh, man. Angela and I were just looking at each other, just smiling. Just going, wow. Praise God. Thank you, God, for saving us through that. Thank you for taking her to Grace on Campus. Thank you for bringing her to Lighthouse Bible Church. Thank you for her family, Jew, and their two boys. Thank you for what you're doing in their lives. You see, do you take the time to actually receive that and go, God, you are working in people's lives. Thank you for that. Thank you, God for being so faithful 
David Powell says Thanksgiving was reserved for God and not human beings. And that's a big point for this verse, right? Who do we give thanks to? God. God is the primary recipient of the giving of our thanks. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. He also says Thanksgiving, while usually offered to past acts of kindness, is also offered for future acts of God. Isn't it interesting that we are called to be thankful for what God will do in the future? Because he promises that he will do good in the future. Do you thank God ahead of time for that? I mean, we have a hard time thanking God for what happened in the past. Much less, thank you, God, for what you are going to do in showing your faithfulness. Thanksgiving has a continuing commitment that reflects the proper behavior of the people of God, a people of God, in contrast to the former life of one who worshiped idols. You see, before you came to know Christ, you worshiped idols. You didn't give thanks to God. But now, because you are the people of God, what is proper conduct is that you continually are committed to giving thanks to God. That is something very distinct and different from how you used to live. You never gave thanks to God before, but now you do. In fact, thanksgiving doesn't have to be in reference to just past gracious acts, even though we are thankful for that. It's what defines us. We are just called to be thankful people. Colossians 3.15 simply says, and be thankful without anything else. Be thankful. Now, sometimes when we hear that, I don't know, you know, when our girls were young and growing up, and sometimes they might complain about the food. We use the typical lines, right? Think about the kids in North Korea who are just peeling bark off, having they're having tree bark soup. So eat your food. Be thankful for your food, right? And for them, they're like, what? I mean, what are you talking about? Like, it doesn't mean, I, I heard that growing up too. Think about the kids in Africa or India. I actually did go to India and I saw kids who were starving and I thought, oh, it's true. You know, some commentators would claim that the concept of Thanksgiving was foreign in the Old Testament because they, they don't see a parallel word in the Hebrew that corresponded with the Greek. Now, that's when you know some commentators are just dodo heads. What do you mean there's no concept of Thanksgiving in the Old Testament? I mean, how can you even think that? It's because they say, get so caught up with form. I mean, I think this really shows a laziness or even worse, an ignorance that has become so reductionistic that such a statement would just be laughable. What? There's no Thanksgiving in the Old Testament? Oh, no, 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 no. Let me just give you one example, okay? Psalm 35, 18. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among a mighty people. Now, just so you know why there's a question about this, what they see in the Old Testament is a focus on praise. And they would say that praise is different from thanksgiving. 
Now think about that a little bit. Is there something about praise that's different from thanksgiving? What well, matters how you understand thanksgiving? You see, if thanksgiving is about God, then praising him is thanking him. To praise God is to thank God. To give thanks is not just a courtesy or a formality of acknowledgement of having received something. It is an act of worship. In essence, in essence, there really is no distinction between giving praise and giving thanks because the heart of both is to look to God in light of who he is and what he has done. And it's not because I'm trying to reciprocate in some way. It's simply that I want to worship him and say, thank you, God, for being who you are. Thank you, God, for being the one I can trust. Thank you, God, for being the one that is good. One more thought from David Powell. He says, for Paul, thanksgivings are often offered in the introductory paragraphs of his epistles for the relationship between God and the church that he was addressing. So what he's saying is that from the get-go, he's saying, you know what? He's offering thanks because of the relationship between God and the church. That's what sets the context. Now, I thought I would maybe get through more verses today, uh, and we'll continue next Sunday on this theme. But three thoughts, okay? Three thoughts for today, just really straight, straight from the text. First, give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. Now, have you ever heard someone who is not a Christian who in response to something says, thank God, and you're like, but they don't even know God. Why are they thanking God? Why do they say, thank God? I mean, we know sometimes they, when they get upset, they say stuff like, Jesus Christ. You know, oh, you know him? You're not saying that in a very nice way, though. I've never, ever heard someone when they hit their thumb with a hammer go, oh, Buddha, oh, Muhammad. They never mention anyone else. It's always God, Jesus. Just say Bible, you know, then you got all three down. This is not just a generic expression. What we are actually doing is saying God, as we even start off thinking about communicating to someone. In this context, it's Paul to the church. He is immediately looking to God and saying, thanks. God. I shared this at the men's uh, fellowship last weekend. The phrase, thanks be to God, is one of those trademark phrases of Paul. Thanks be to God. Romans 6, 17. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were given over. Romans 7, 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. 2 Corinthians 8, 16, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnestness 
on your behalf in the heart of Titus. 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, that should be a phrase that we say often. Thanks be to God. In fact, when you're having conversations with someone, does that ever come up where you say, thanks be to God? Thanks be to God. Like from the get-go, when you first talk, you say, thanks be to God for what he is doing. I mean, Romans 6, 17, before you were slaves of sin. And implied in that is, you no longer are. You will never be again. Thanks be to God. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God who gives us victory over death. This is something yet to come. We can already give thanks to God because he has given us victory over death. I've been thinking for some reason just a lot about death. Maybe because I'm just getting older. We need to be praying for uh, Tom and Donna Drion. Donna's father passed away yesterday. He was not a believer. There's a lot of grief. You know, Conrad Mbiwi, um, pastor in Zambia, he speaks at the Shepherds Conference, and I got to know him this last year. And uh, just yesterday, his 31-year-old son, who was also pastor, just suddenly died. And hearing the news of both, there is grief and sorrow, yet there is hope for the one who has victory over death in Christ. And then the one who doesn't know Christ, there is just utter grief. And so first you need to ask yourself, can I say thanks to God for his victory over death? In Christ, I mean, we could die at any moment. And then do you pray earnestly, urgently, fervently for those who do not know Christ? Because when they die, they will face eternal condemnation. So they need to hear the gospel. I mean... If we're wondering, is there anything that we should give thanks to God for? It is for Christ, his indescribable gift to us. You see, that's why Thanksgiving, it's really not about me. It's about God. And when we are saying thank you to God, it's not just because we have received something. It's because of who is the one who gives us these things and does all these things for us. You know, sometimes we have reduced Thanksgiving so much to, well, is it something that I actually like? Is it something good, quality? For those of you with little kids, you've had this, right? They start to learn to draw. So what do they do? They draw these things with crayons, and they give it to you and say, look, Mommy, look, Daddy. And it looks hideous. I mean, you don't even know what it is. Like, oh, this is you, Daddy. And it's like some just line. I remember when I go, it's you, daddy. Like, I'm a line. But they're precious. I, I saved these 
drawings from my kids. In fact, uh, I have drawings from other kids too. You know, church, they'll say, Pastor John, this is for you. <laughs> and some of them are just such crazy pictures. My, my head looks lopsided and, you know, uh, it, it just looks really, really hilarious. But they're precious because of the person. You know, we, 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 we're called to treasure the person, not just the gift that they give. Maybe somehow that's what we've done with God is we don't really treasure him. We only look to see what we get out of him. And then we say, thank you, God. But it's not really, that's not actually being thankful. That's just you saying, I got what I wanted. Can you say thanks be to God? Every day. Because you have reason to. Second, give thanks always. We give thanks to God always. Now, when you hear the word always, that seems a bit unreasonable. I mean, how does someone give thanks always? You go to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. And so it's a similar idea. In everything always. Is this even possible? Yes. Now, we don't do it perfectly. But first, we start again with give thanks to God. Can we give thanks to God always? Yes, because we can always be thankful to God because of who he is, because of what he has done and what he will do. We have good reason to thank God always, even when times are difficult, when times are hard, even through trials. What we really have to understand is the giving of thanks is not dependent on circumstances or the way people treat us. The giving of thanks, if it is indeed an act of worship, is then an appropriate response to all things in life, in response to all circumstances, because all of it drives us to worshiping God. We understand that God is at work both to will and to work for his good pleasure, Philippians 2.13. We can be confident that God is working all, to get all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28. We can be confident because in all circumstances, we can trust God with all our hearts. He has promised that he will direct our paths, Proverbs 3.5 and 6. We can thank God because he has promised to never leave us or forsake us. He will walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death because he is our great shepherd. Now, fathers, those are your fathers. And, you know, when your kids are little and you go to a dark place, it's actually kind of nice because then they cling to you. They hold your hand even tighter. Why? Because they're scared. But you know what? They're okay when they're with their father. And they're still kind of scared. But you hold on tight. And you're thankful that your father's there. You know, I, I think about my own father as he was older and, you know, before he had his heart attack, and then eventually his car accident, he died. Um, 
I was so thankful just to hold his hand. Thank you. Thank you, God, for allowing me to have these days with my father. But even just a picture of him still being there, he was not strong anymore. He, he was not the, the, the father figure for a young child anymore. But there's still this picture, this sense of, you know what, I am so grateful to have a father who loves me, who cares for me. And how much infinitely more do we have a heavenly father that we can be thankful for. You know, when Paul writes this, he he's thankful to God because he saw what God was doing in this fledgling church. It was a young church. They had issues. They had problems. But he's already giving thanks for them to God. Now, when you look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it adds one other thought. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will. God's will. Right? We talked about this, guys, right? the men's fellowship. You ever ask, what is God's will? Well, there's a few things that are very clearly laid out. And they're very specific. In everything, give thanks. You could also include rejoice always and pray without ceasing. But if there's anything that Christians are to be doing, to fulfill the will of God, it is to give thanks in everything. In other ways, another way to say give thanks to God always. This is what Christians should be known for, to be thankful through thick and thin. But we do have to understand it's God's will. It is not a suggestion. It's, al it's also not subject to negotiation. You don't say, well, God, I'll be thankful 75% of the time. God, I'll be thankful for 50% of things. No, in everything, always. To fail to give thanks is the defiance of God's will. It is to be disobedient, rebellious, and it contradicts who you say you are. If you are not a thankful person, how do you say you're a Christian? You can't. In fact, in Romans 1, 21, when it describes those who have turned away from God, it says this, for even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks. In 2 Timothy 3, 2, it says in the last days, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, ungrateful. Ungrateful. You know, if there's anything that you can tell that reveals a calloused, hardened heart. It's someone who's not thankful. It's someone who's just always complaining, criticizing, always negative, always focused on people's faults. Now, all of us can struggle with that. But think about this. If you, if you were to really commit yourself to giving thanks to God always, that this would be something continuous, something daily, something that literally characterizes the moment, every moment of every day. What kind of testimony do you think that would show? Last thought, and I think this is the most challenging part. Give thanks for everyone. So in verse two, it says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, for all of you. 
D.M. and Hebert in his commentary writes this, the Thanksgiving was also inclusive for he assured them that it was for all of you. It included without exception all the Thessalonian believers. Paul was well aware of the imperfections that still exist in the Thessalonian church. Another commentator writes this, there is no reason to suppose that the Thessalonian church consisted of any less odd a collection of characters than the average congregation today. So how do you like that for being mentioned in the commentary? We are an average congregation. There is an odd collection of characters. And some of you might go, oh, I know who the odd ones are. Now, before you say that, it's kind of like when you drive on the freeway, and like everyone's such a bad driver, as if you are the perfect driver. No, you're odd too. We're all odd. Another commentator writes this, Christians differ in attainments, but there's always something of Christ in each, and hence always something for which to thank God, since Christ is the oil that feeds the lamp of praise. So here's the big challenge. Look at everyone around you. Look real quick. Look, look. Try to get all of them in your, in your sight. All of these people? Like, I don't even know all of them. But you know what? If they are a fellow believer you have something to give re thanks, give reason for thanks. Because there's something of Christ in each. It's not because of something they did for you. And it's also not because of something they've done against you that you give thanks. You give thanks because of Christ in them. Now, this is a great challenge. I mean, how do you actually find reason to be thankful for every member of this church? And some of you might say, well, Pastor John, you don't understand. There's some people who've hurt me deeply. I mean, you don't know how hurt I've been. You don't know how much pain they've caused me. And they say they're Christians. Now, I'd like to tell you, <laughs> I don't want this to be a competition, but uh, I would bet I, I've been hurt by more Christians than you. I mean, seriously. I mean, that's part of church planting. You keep meeting new people. You know what that means? New people to give you pain. There's just more and more people. I mean, I've been hurt so deeply that there are times I just wanted to die. I didn't want to come to church. In fact, there's there have been some people who have been so vicious, and they say they're Christian, that to see them literally makes me nauseous and want to vomit. That's, it affects me so much. I mean, I've literally been traumatized. But that's the test of your faith. Oh, God, come on. Be reasonable. For everyone? Now, let me add a little thought in addition to this. Could you be thankful even for those who are not Christians? Ah, I don't know about that. You can. I mean, you see what's going on in our world. Do you see even those that do not know Christ and the things that they do that are an affront to God, that are even blasphemy to God? Does it drive you to worship, to look to God? 
to see that he is the only hope for this world? Does it give you, re give you reason to give thanks to God? God, thank you for still providing hope, even for people that seem hopeless. I do not say this easily. God even uses the evil that people do for good. Genesis 50, 20. Joseph, to his own brothers, you meant it for evil. You intended evil. In fact, you did evil. You wanted to kill me. You threw me in a pit. You sold me into slavery. What brother does that? But God meant it for good. So I give thanks to God always, even for you. And not only that, I will love you, and I will love your children, and I will take care of you. That is not explainable from a human perspective. That's only because someone loves God so much and he is able to express even things. Now, we will not necessarily feel like it, but just because you don't feel thankful doesn't mean you should not be thankful. I mean, if that was the rule for everything, then we'd do nothing. Now, we hope that the feelings eventually catch up, and by God's grace, they can. But you realize it's a good thing that God is working out his good for his people, even through the hardships and challenges of life, the trials of life. If there's anything that it will refine in you, it will see, it will show, are you a thankful person? Are you quick to find reason to give thanks to God always, for even each person in this congregation, instead of being a grumbler, a complainer, a criticizer. Why is it so hard to be thankful? J.C. Ryle says this, thankfulness is a flower which will never bloom well except upon a root of deep humility. It makes sense. Someone who's filled with pride, and all about themselves, there's no soil for thanksgiving to flower. There's no root for it to grow from. You know, when you are thankful to God always for everyone in your church, it ties into praying, making mention of you in our prayers, which is the second part of verse two. It's not enough just to be thankful. You will pray for those very people that you are thankful for. And we're going to follow up more on that next week. So in closing, a few application questions. Do you give thanks to God always for everyone in this church? Ah, I mean, everyone's not even here. In fact, I don't know what some people are even doing. There are some people that are challenging. Are you thankful for them? Are you thankful to God for them? Always.
Oh, that's the only way you can do that is if you're walking the spirit humbly. And in being thankful, are you praying for each person as you consider being thankful for them? And if you're wondering if you need some things to pray about, I mean, it's going to take forever just to go through that because you will be challenged to genuinely be thankful and pray. And as we prepare for communion, I just want to give you this thought. We always have reason to be thankful because God sent his son while we are yet sinners. We didn't deserve it. But he provided salvation through Christ. We always have reason to be thankful for that alone. I was reading an illustration where there's a poor lady and she had some bread and some water. And her response was, even this with Christ. And you think, that's perspective. Even bread and water is a blessing. Christ alone is enough. But as we take the bread and the cup, does it drive you to say, thanks be to God? I'll come down and know if you need the elements, please uh, raise your hand. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was being betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Isn't that interesting there? It says in verse 24, When Jesus had given thanks, and he gave thanks in the night in which he was betrayed. He still gave thanks to God. And when he gave thanks, he broke the bread, he offered the cup, and he said, as often as you do this, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. You know what is the most appropriate response when we take communion? It is to thank God. Christ. That's why we do it often. So that as often as you do this, not only do you proclaim the death of the Lord, you thank God for the death of the Lord. Until he comes, we have reason to give thanks. Take it together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you because it is really the most appropriate thing for us as we would worship you.
that we would be so filled with thanksgiving because we have so much to be thankful for in you as we think about how wonderful a God you are. So often we are so short-sighted and we take our eyes off of Christ and we're just affected by the circumstances of this world, of this life. We are so affected by people. We, we are so often driven to be so conditional to give thanks just because of receiving a gift. And then we don't give thanks when someone is hurtful. God, we still have so much to learn. Help us to grow as a thankful people. Help us to be thankful to you always. But especially help us to be thankful to you always for our church. What an example it is to see that Paul and Silas and Timothy, even in a short time that they ministered, were so thankful to God for each member of that church that they had invested in, that they saw get saved, that they saw grow, that they saw struggled, that they saw went through challenges or even persecuted. And they loved them so much. So their response was to worship you and be thankful for each one. God help us because it is so hard to imagine that we could do such a thing but we understand that this is your will. So may we not take it lightly. May we, in fact, really grow to be such thankful people that we could be thankful for each and every single person in this church, even with all the challenges that come. But it is because Christ. Because of Christ in each person. And God, may it drive us also to act upon the gospel and for those who do not know you, that we would see the urgency of sharing the good news that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. So may you, in your kindness, grant repentance and draw people to the saving knowledge and transformation that only Jesus can bring to deliver us from being enslaved to death now becoming slaves of righteousness and to have our lives forever secured for eternity in the love of Christ. God, as we have been called to be witnesses here in this world, may we be the kind of witnesses that this world would see, especially through being thankful people. May we do so for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.